This is a Federal News Network podcast. If you're in cybersecurity for the federal government, you might have to kiss Christmas goodbye. Agencies have until Christmas Eve, anyhow, to patch a critical exploit in widely used logging software. But the response to the Log4j vulnerability will likely last well into the new year. For more, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, what's the latest on how they're responding and what is so important about Log4j for logging software? It emerged late last week, this vulnerability. It exists in the widely used Java open source software library. The Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency says this library is broadly used in a variety of consumer and enterprise services, websites and applications. And a remote actor could use this vulnerability to take control of an affected system. CISA actually held a call with critical infrastructure operators, state and local governments on Monday, where they warned that hundreds of millions of devices are likely affected. CISA Director Jen Easterly said the impact of this vulnerability will be widespread. I spoke with Michael Daniel, the president and CEO of the Cyber Threat Alliance. He served as the cyber security coordinator at the White House during the Obama administration, and he would have helped coordinate the response to something like this. When you have something like this emerge, it's, you know, all hands on deck. It's just difficult to overstate the scope and scale of the U.S. federal government and the amount of work it takes to just keep up with and understand the assets that you have and understand where you might be even dependent on a third-party supplier that might have this vulnerability. All right. So therefore, what is CISA telling agencies to do here? Well, it added the Log4j vulnerability to the known exploited vulnerabilities catalog on December 10th. And that gives agencies until December 24th to mitigate this vulnerability in some way. If you remember, this catalog was created just a month ago. Agencies now have these two-week deadlines to address new vulnerabilities. This is by far the biggest one that has emerged since then. CISA has put out some guidance, which essentially tells organizations to take stock of the external-facing devices, the internet-facing devices that have this affected Java library, and then to get alerts for those devices for the patches that are coming in. So it's a very fluid situation where organizations are trying to identify what's on their network and then patch it or find ways to mitigate it otherwise. Katie Masuris is founder and CEO of Luda Security. She led the launch of the first bug bounty program at the Defense Department. She said the situation became even more complicated earlier this week when it was learned that hackers could bypass the latest Java updates to still take advantage of the vulnerability. What I think the CIOs are probably doing now is they're going back over all of their inventory and assets and applying additional mitigations to the ones that to the hosts that they thought were safe so unfortunately we are still in the height of the response effort right now and that's katie masuris ceo of luta security we're speaking with federal news network's justin doubleday it sounds like they've really launched a fire drill here is there any sense of how much of the federal government is actually affected by this particular hole it's hard to say at this point But with it being open source software, it's likely most, if not all agencies. Remember, CISA said hundreds of millions of devices, and it's down to both agencies and companies to identify where they use this software. John Cofrancesco is vice president of business development at Fortress Information Security. He used to work with the Navy managing enterprise applications at Military Sealift Command. He said the federal government might even have a rougher go of it than some bigger companies. The majority of software that's on the DOD networks, that's on the federal networks, does not come from Microsoft, from Oracle. It comes from a lot of smaller organizations that 
frankly, can create just as much exposure as the big boys, right? And those companies being smaller in size, less adept to dealing with these type of fast patch actions, are just less likely to have solved this. All right, so the use of small business contractors, I guess, can be a vulnerability and cybersecurity risk for federal agencies. What about long-term? Because, yes, you can get people to go crazy and patch everything by Christmas Eve, but there's a long-term issue to this, Justin. What's developing at this point? You've seen CISA really come out and and lead the federal response here, and Jen Easterly, the director at CISA, said that underscores the need to develop software securely from the start, but also for organizations to use software bills of materials, which I know you've covered extensively on your program, basically an ingredients list of software that your organization uses. And Michael Daniel, the CEO of the Cyber Threat Alliance, he agreed with the need for SBOMs. He agreed with the need for the federal government to learn from this incident, and that's where he thinks the new National Cyber Director, Chris Inglis, will step in going forward. Now, where I think the National Cyber Director is really going to come in is going to be in the after action. Okay, what did we learn from this? Where did we do well, and where do we still need to make improvements? And then how do we actually focus on having agencies actually make those improvements over time so that the next time there's a vulnerability that emerges, and there will be a next time, we can do even better. And Justin, the CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, has been issuing patches and warnings now for a number of months, and they've got a slew of them pretty much every day. It sounds like this one stood out, even though it's arcane sounding in logging software, which people, the average consumer and user of software never touches. But it sounds like they consider this really a bad one. Yeah, well, I think that's what's interesting here is, of course, Log4j, as you said, does sound relatively obscure and arcane. But what this is really trying to get out there is that this is under under this open source software underlies a lot of the products and applications that we use and take for granted every day. And so it's going to be on on organizations to understand where that software is used, what they're relying on in their environments, and then address that going forward. And maybe the fact that the Christmas Eve deadline has been set will make people do it even faster so they can get their eggnog on Christmas Eve. It's good motivation, I think. I think so. All right. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. 
uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship 
uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WAPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.